Hello, and welcome to the CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Aditha Karkera, Chief Data Officer for Deloitte's Government and Public Services, and I'm really excited to welcome here today my good friend and colleague, Dr. Jason Duke, Chief Data Officer for the United States Fish and Wildlife Service. Jason, welcome. Thank you, Aditha. Let's talk a little bit about your current initiatives or current projects. Um, I, I know you talked a little bit about data management, data governance. You touched a little bit about an enterprise data inventory project and curious to know a little bit more about how you started, where you are in that journey and what's coming up next in that. So the most simple ingredients as to what I'm doing in a CDO position are to get metadata catalogs and repositories. And in essence, I see metadata as the building block or the bricks of every structure that we're trying to put together. And of course, once we get those collected, we want to be able to query those, which we're looking for that magic catalog. And then once you get that catalog of metadata, you want to be able to, quote, click the link and to get copies of the data from an approved repository. So the Department of the Interior has an initiative called the Enterprise Data Inventory and the Enterprise Data Governance. And so the Enterprise Data Inventory is a tool the department's developed, a real deep, robust system for all 11 bureaus in the Department of the Interior to be able to take metadata and to be able to feed that into a larger catalog. Now, the data that we produce metadata for goes into data.gov. And a lot of folks have queried that and found lots of resources. There are thousands and thousands of layers in data.gov. So the Enterprise Data Inventory is an effort by the Department of the Interior to standardize metadata attributes that can all be imported from a variety and a multitude of sources that then will feed into a queryable catalog, which goes into data.gov. And it sounds really simple, but of course it's not because you've got bureau, one bureau might have 15, 16, 25 sources of metadata. And then you have to go with all those sources and ensure that all of those are feeding at least the minimum number of attributes required to feed the beast, as you might call it. So the enterprise data inventory, which we call the EDI you'll hear about, is an effective, the mothership of metadata. It's where we're going to put metadata for everything that we produce in a standard form. And that'll slowly wear down uh, resistance that anyone might have about not producing metadata. Of course, Remember, Executive Order 12906 in 1994 required anyone receiving federal funding to produce metadata, especially for spatial data. And of course, that's almost 30 years ago. And we still do not have a plethora of creative metadata anywhere. It's not just a federal, state, or local government thing. It's even in private industry. I mean, who gets excited to create metadata? Some days I do. But not everybody does, right? And so the enterprise data inventory is a way the department's using to get all the bureaus to standardize a collection of metadata to allow us to find what we're doing better, to allow them to find what we're doing better, but most importantly for the American public to have good access to quality metadata and to know what's going on in government today. You're absolutely right, Jason. Nobody's excited on their own, typically, about uh, any of these tasks, but, but it is such a hard task and it takes effort, it takes patience, and it takes collaboration, especially as you're talking about doing this across 11 bureaus and bringing it together. So uh, fantastic story. Thank you for highlighting that for the audience. So because sometimes uh, 
when I talk to others in this industry, they're not exactly sure where CDOs in the public sector are spending a lot of time at and how it's making an impact directly to the citizens. And that story right there tells a great perspective. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I know you're also a huge proponent for fair data principles. Can you talk a little bit about what the service is doing to practice and shape policy around fair data principles? So we've taken the four main principles there. We'll take, say, findable and accessible or interoperable and reusable. And we try to look at what tools we have or what we don't have to be able to meet those four. Now, of the four principles, people typically think that you have to start and work your way through FAIR, but you really don't. They're all just as important. They're all equally important. So you might already have in place a catalog that makes all your data findable. But that's what we're working on the most right now. And to me, findable is purely you have to have metadata. And once you get those metadata collected, you've got to get them into a catalog, right? Because for us, we have multiple editors of metadata and all the bureaus in the Department of the Interior do as well. And then other government agencies do as well as private sector, et cetera. So to get it findable, you've got to create metadata. And I'm pushing that as hard as I possibly can. Then accessible is not just the catalog. You know, accessible, if you're looking at data, accessibility could be what we would call a repository that you might mine or, or a data warehouse. But how are you going to get to those data? So we're working on data warehouses and repositories to try to get that accessibility out there. Then you got to remember this too. You know, the great thing about the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, or the, the service has uh, over 500 wildlife refuges across the country and in U.S. territories. And so those wildlife refuges are some of the most beautiful places you'll ever visit, but they don't always have good bandwidth because they are, quote, in the country. They're in rural areas. You don't always have a 10 gigabit fiber connection to a wildlife refuge. And we work really hard on connectivity. So to make those data accessible, you've got to get that bandwidth up there too. That's kind of one of those necessities to kind of feed the accessibility. And then interoperable is really big. You know, it's estimated that almost 80% of data out there are, are really being reused and duplicated. I mean, if you could get access to a lot of public data, you could cut half to two thirds to even three quarters of the work out and then just use your work time to enhance those data. And in fact, of all places, you know, the medical and pharmaceutical industry are some of the biggest proponents of FAIR. And those groups who you would think would be super secretive work together to better enhance their data and to share it. And so for interoperability, that allows us to take data that we produce and to enhance that and to share it with other bureaus in the department, other government agencies, even members of the public to access those data and make, you know, kind of to be able to interoperate with those and get those because the next bullet is reusable. But interoperability, in my opinion, goes into reusability because if those data can't be shared between systems and shared between other bureaus and entities and updated and modified in a uniform fashion, then you can't reuse them. Because you know, a lot of data, once you make it and you save it somewhere, nobody pulls it back up. No one accesses it. But when you make those data interoperable, you can then move on to the last letter, R, which is to make them reusable. I guess the biggest thing I learned in the whole process, though, is you don't have to always go F-A-I-R. You can sometimes worry about the reusability before you worry about the findability because you've already got some data there you know you want to reuse. 
So those four, the FAIR principles, the FAIR guiding principles of data are, of course, world-renowned now, and they're changing the whole face and the landscape of data management. Uh, the, all the recent presidential memos and acts and the, the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, which, you know, of course, we have the Evidence Act out of, is so tied to FAIR principles. So if you don't think you know them, you probably are practicing some of the principles right now. But we try to use the FAIR principles to guide us at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Jason, thank you for those. Um, now, I know as the veteran CDO, you have probably led many successful initiatives, uh, you know, uh, application of the FAIR principles, your enterprise data inventory. You know, what are some of the greatest uh, lessons learned that you think you might want to share to other budding CDOs or, or others looking to get into the data leadership area? You know, I would say for me, the, the most important thing to remember is that you can always learn something from anyone. A lot of data leaders tend to look to just people, for example, maybe in IT or in some type of data science field. And that's who they look to for input and guidance from. But I've learned that you can learn as much from someone who's brand new to your agency or someone who just walked in the door who might be an expert ecologist or hydrologist or botanist that has ideas for processes that you can then take and implement and change how you manage your data. And also, again, you know, the data management is a term that's often misused because it's a catch-all term. It's such a wide, broad way to talk about what we do. You know, we don't really, in fact, we don't even really manage data. We take data that people produce and collect and use it to do better things. We're not really managing the data. We're managing the process around it. So in my tenure, I try to, we always hear about open data, but you need to have an open mind. You need to come to the table knowing everybody has something you can learn and you can take and what you're doing and make it so much better by opening your ears and opening your eyes up to what's out there. A lot of folks, you know, they worry about now about, artificial intelligence and machine learning and and what's down the road five years or two years or 10 years. But there's so much out there right now that you can use to enhance the work you're trying to do that we just need to have an open mind. Jason, I love both of those uh, suggestions that you threw out there. Having an open mind and and the fact that we can really learn from anyone. It's not just learning from higher up executives or data leaders, but you really having that open mindset allows you to learn from anyone you come in contact with. So beautiful words there. So Jason, uh, as we get towards wrapping up the session, what is one major initiative that you would like to highlight at the end of the session? My biggest initiative that I'm the most excited about is metadata right now. Uh, we have three primary editors for metadata, and then we have another large group of staff that don't have a tool to create metadata with. And we are looking at a solution that will allow us to create metadata for the masses, as I call it. Let me explain that. You know, right now, a lot of people that want to create metadata have to use a nerdy tool. They have to use an interface you have to log into, you get another password, and all these cryptic fields pop up there, and they want to know all this stuff, and it's so hard, and people just don't do it, right? But like I said, no metadata, no future, we joke. So like with no metadata, we can't do any of the stuff that I want to do. And so we're trying to create a way where staff can easily, through a form-based entry, produce metadata 
it's going to go into that magic catalog and it is secure. You will have to log in. But what I'm saying is that you're going to have nice help screens and examples and be able to click and float the mouse over the window and get example entries and try to make it easy because you got to make it easy for folks to do it. And I'm so excited by the fact that I might be able to take something which is not overly exciting, which is metadata, and try to make it where I can show the great use and utility of it in the Fish and Wildlife Service. And I'm trying to do that by making it easy to enter metadata. And not just that, to be able to show folks, look at all the awesomeness you can pull in 30 seconds out of a catalog that you used to spend days or weeks and still never have the image or picture of. So I may never succeed in making folks love metadata, but I may be able to succeed in getting folks to be able to create it, even if I have to fool them for how they're making it. For example, it might take the data management plan form they fill they filled out, and it might mine that and pull four, five, or eight attributes into the minimum standard of metadata and populate that template in part, and then they can just finish it up. So I'm most excited about the possibility of what I would call uh, metadata for the masses in the next year. Jason, I can definitely appreciate your passion for uh, metadata collection and for simplifying the process. It's all about the experience. So uh, I can really appreciate how you're trying to simplify the process and have metadata for masses. Uh, that is probably all the time we have today, Jason, but I look forward to talking to you again, maybe in a few months and hearing how this journey is going and have you back on the interview series. With Thank that- with that, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us. And for the audience, please continue to see other interviews at cdomagazine.tech.